the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. If you listen to the show five days a week, two hours a day, you're part of the 10-hour club. And you get a little special badge that I'll print up for you. And it gets you all sorts of perks. Okay, I'm kidding on that, but you get the idea. Um, a few months ago, we did... I pulled some audio from a guy named Scott Galloway, who you can find on YouTube. He's an NYU professor. I think he's a pretty smart guy. He's a clinical professor at the New York uh, University's Stern School of Business, where he teaches brand strategy and digital marketing. He's founder of a company called L2, which is a member-based business intelligence and education firm. He was named one of the world's 50 best business school professors. Uh, He appears regularly on Bloomberg News as a contributing editor, which I like so much more than CNBC. To me, CNBC is, it's banal. It's empty. But a few months back, he did a, a thing on the four horsemen of technology and some of the things that they had. Uh, the four horsemen were Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, companies who are collectively the size of Lexington, Kentucky, and have a GDP of Australia. Can any other company join their ranks? It's the big question. And you, you know, you start taking a look at some of the names that show up on the list. Um, to be a powerful company like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, you actually have to have a maternal attitude towards your employees. Have you ever heard people talk about those companies and how well Google tries to take care of them or like Google's uh, free lunches or Apple's employees and how they get treated with respect or Amazon, Facebook. Facebook builds these incredibly expensive buildings and, and with huge luxury perks. Anyone under the age of 35 wants to work for Amazon, Apple, Facebook, or Google because of the perks. So you have to have a maternal attitude towards employees with perks. You have to have inventory control through vertical distribution. You have to have consumer identities, a strong brand. Um, You have to have a lot of technical literacy. The difference between an Apple phone and a Google phone 
in my opinion, and this is both good and bad, is that you can give a 70-year-old person an Apple phone and they're going to figure out figure it out. You can give a 7-year-old an Apple phone and they're going to figure it out. Google's a little more complex as far as phones go. So he's looking for the next, who's going to be the fifth horseman of, you know, the technology. Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, of which I think you can own all the stocks. Amazon's the riskiest, in my opinion. Um, Google's got some growth issues. They're big. These are all big companies, and for them to get bigger, they have to double. And For them to double, it's like, you know, for an 80-pound girl to become 160 pounds, it, it happens. We all could remember back in high school, you know, the, the really cute girl who, 10 years later, she's had a couple kids, and she's big. I had a friend in college that he was so fit, he was, like he was a gym rat, so skinny. And I saw him the other day on Facebook, and he honestly looked like a water buffalo. I was like, I don't recognize him. Does he have some sort of lymph node disease or something? Like his head looked like John Merrick's head from The Elephant Man. Now, I'm sure he wasn't going, I am not an animal. I am a human being. But he's changed a lot. So the seven companies that Scott Galloway looks at after the big four. He's looking at Uber, Alibaba, Starbucks, LinkedIn, Tesla, Nike, and Walmart. I think all of those are pretty good shopping list names for your portfolio, including the first four. These are all pretty big names. Now, again, some of them are more public than others. Um, Some of them have less downside risk. Some of them have more upside Uh, none of them have demonstrated all the characteristics of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. Those characteristics are product vertical integration. I kind of went over the list already. Maternal attitude towards employees. So it's part of an algorithm that he's put together to see, like, who's the next one. But none of them quite do it. Um, They all have pretty good characteristics, like Walmart, LinkedIn, and Alibaba don't have a brand people want to associate with. When you take a look at Apple, you want to associate with, like I have an Apple phone at the gym. I'm working out. I'm thinking the cute girl next to me is like, hey, he's got an Apple. He doesn't have a Google, right? I want to be associated with Apple. But I don't want a package coming to my house from Alibaba. They're a big retailer. They're Chinese. I don't want to be known as like, you aren't American. You aren't buying from American companies. Uh, LinkedIn means you're looking for a job maybe. Walmart, you know, Walmart's been known to represent retail for the lower classes, or at least the middle, lower middle class. If you're doing well in life, you're probably saying, I don't want to shop at Walmart. Starbucks spends more on its employees than on its coffee beans, but does not have access to cheap capital. Um, that's a problem, you know. Having that, you know, expensive stock that you can, you know, wipe out turn to cash and go out and invest. Tesla has a very finite consumer base rather than a global one. So they've got problems. They don't make the list. Um, Nike's prestigious, global brand, fantastic place to work. Its product is not all that different from its competitors. So like, you know, like I said, if you pick up an Apple phone, it, it feels different than a Samsung phone. Samsung's trying to catch up, but maybe that's when you sell Apple. When you start seeing that Others have caught up, and their brand is no longer differentiated. So 
out of all these companies, Uber was the one that he chose to be closest to the big four horsemen. One million people ride the service every day, which is more than the Chicago uh, Mass Transit or Boston. Um, at 162,000 drivers, Uber's employees base is triple that of Delta Airlines. Now, it does not have a maternal attitude towards employees, as it has access to the cheapest source of on-demand labor without unions or health insurance. Um, and some, empl- so, some employees, some Uber drivers are now suing uh, Uber, saying, you know, we are employees. So I want you to, like, start thinking about some of these things. You can learn a lot on the Internet. There is a whole university out there. In this case, uh, Scott Galloway. And I'll play you one of the segments in the next segment um, to kind of remind you who I'm talking about. Uh, but if you go to YouTube, hit Scott Galloway, and you can get like a pretty good grasp on like where we are as far as um, what, what to be looking for. So I once told investors, and this feels like really old advice now. I've been doing this a while. Um, if you have a brokerage account, like if you have TD Ameritrade, you get access to a lot of research reports like Standard & Poor's. So I once told people, I said, get a couple friends together, open up different brokerage accounts, get one at EA, get one at Charles Schwab, get one at Ameritrade, and you'll get access to research that would cost you, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 if you're a business. Um, and it's free for having an online account. And like for instance, if you go to TD Ameritrade there and you hit research, you can hit the markets. You could read a weekly update on what the expectations are for the stock market from Standard Poor's. Standard Poor's is very conservative. But it's a good idea to use your resources out there. YouTube is a great resource for professors. And again, so it's gonna take you time to build this catalog in your head of who you want to trust and who you don't. But I think you'll learn a lot if you uh, Google Scott Galloway or you go to YouTube and search for them. And it's Galloway like it sounds, G-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, financing, and more. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Let's talk a little bit about Scott Galloway. Why are you a professor and how have you searched for him on YouTube? There's a lot of things that you can find. Um, and he's pretty good at analyzing things um, and put them in into digestible nuggets. I want to play one for you right here as an example. Again, it's Scott Galloway with New York University. Um, in this case, talking about uh, he's talking about generational issues. 
A loser this week, J. Crew, who announced they would eliminate 175 jobs on the heels of same-store sales declines. The brand's drop in sales is correlated to its digital confidence. J. Crew is one of the biggest losers in L2's latest digital IQ index, especially retail. Falling from gifted to average, ranking an unimpressive 43rd out of 82 brands in our index. Behind J. Crew's digital fall is an outdated site that lacks innovative features, including in-store inventory search and content integration. The expensive in-house custom platform, once seen as a sign of a firm leaning forward in digital, has now become a liability as in-house platforms are more expensive and less robust than cloud-based platforms. So a winner you may not have heard of, Yik Yak, an anonymous messaging app based on GPS technology that lets you anonymously send out a message to anyone within a mile and a half of you. The college phenomenon is booming, registering 3.5 million users. The app raised $62 million at a $400 million valuation in November of 2014. A winner in our view, Millennials. This week we did a podcast with Barry Ritholtz on Masters in Business, and we got a lot of controversy, or created a lot of controversy, for saying that Millennials were the most talented generation to date, and we stand by that statement. There's 80 million in the U.S., or about half of the workforce by 2020. They're the most digitally competent generation, and they're the most educated. There's constant moaning from the corporate world about how expectant and difficult they are to work with. But there's two sides of this transaction. The reason we can't hire enough millennials, and we can't, is because they're better than any previous generation. They're more talented, they're better educated, and they grew up. They actually get this digital stuff. So stop moaning corporate America and figure out a way to put these very talented young people to work. So a potential loser in 2016, Republicans, although that may be wishful thinking on our part, using LinkedIn and Federal Election Commission data, two researchers from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, identified six and 26 political operatives with substantial experience in digital data and analytics. But what did they find? 503 have been hired by Democrats versus 123 by Republicans. Look for digital marketing and ad tech to play an outsized role in who wins and who loses next November. Just as Obama trounced Romney, not with get out the vote, not with better messaging, but with zeros and ones. Big winners, anyone using the Waze app. As the governor, yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger has agreed to lend his voice to not only help people get where they're going faster, but to help them find clinics where they can get supplemental hormone therapy or heart valve replacement based on decades of steroid abuse. We'll see you next week. So Scott Galloway comes out with those once a week, and clearly you don't have to hear them like every the moment it comes out. There was a lot of information in there. Um, some of it's very useful, some of it's not. Um, different videos obviously have a lot different potential. But one of the things he brought up very early on there is, again, he talked about um, a retailer cutting employees. And he's like, that's not good because you have to take care of your employees. He, he, know, he shows you the four companies that do it the best. You know, again, Amazon and Apple, Google and Facebook. Um, it's not totally, you know, like right on for investing, but I, I think you would learn something if you do study him a little bit. Again, don't go crazy. I'm not asking you that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, the former CEO of Apple just raised a big round of funding for a new company. That headline, when you see it, you go, you go okay, I get it. Venture capital is considered very risky. Not every company that we put money into turns out the way we want it to. 
Um, that's worthy of note. John Scully, he was the former CEO of Apple. Um, he was the guy that kind of got rid of Steve Jobs, and he was the guy that got you know, cut when they brought Steve Jobs back. Zeta Interactive, the big data and analytics company co-founded by Apple CEO, former Apple CEO, John Scully, it announced it has a $125 million investment round. Okay, so he's getting a little bit older. I'm not saying age has anything to do with success or failure in venture capital, but it's something I'm paying attention to. Um, I'd rather, you know, think to myself, hmm, this millennial just started a company in his college dorm, or this old guy just pulled in $125 million of investing because of his past ties to a company. At least you should have that conversation in your head. Zeta competes with the likes of Oracle, Salesforce, IBM, and Adobe. It lets companies input their customer data into a marketing cloud, which uses machine learning to figure out the attributes of their audiences, such as age, income, location, and interest. It also segments their best customers based on its own proprietary data. Zeta then analyzes that data and sends out targeted marketing messages via email and help marketers create wider marketing plans. Email feels kind of dated to me, but we'll go with it. It's still, you know, we'll go with it. Where Zeta differs from its competitors that focuses on using the data for customer acquisition, matching clients' data with profiles of potential new customers who have opted in to marketing messages, that's going to be a big thing down the road. So maybe he is in something. Facebook may pay us in the future to use Facebook. You won't have to pay to use Facebook. Maybe they'll pay us. Maybe not a lot. But if they could then get all your information to take it to an advertiser, which they currently are doing without paying you, maybe the next Facebook is a company that says, okay, um, let's call it Tic Tac. Maybe Tic Tac says, you know, if you use our social media, uh, and you tell us everything about you, we'll pay you, and they'll acquire customers. They'll get people from Facebook. Facebook is aggressively doing everything they can to keep you on their site. Um, so most people who are marketing right now are all about retention of current customers, of existing customers. Getting a new client is really, really tough. Uh, there's a lot of people competing for new clients. Retaining them, obviously, is very important, just like retaining employees. Costco pays their employees more so than Walmart does, and you know they've got a happier workforce. But um, Scully was also the former CEO of Pepsi, so he's got pretty good, you know, pretty wide breadth knowledge of business. Um, so we'll keep an eye on it. Marketing and personalized marketing is going to get bigger and bigger, just like personal healthcare. Uh, it's going to be the biggest growth industry in the next ten years. It's going to make self-driving cars look silly. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Bringing Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Uh, big day. Janet Yellen talking before Congress. Big day data-wise. A um, lot of news out there. Uh, what are you focusing on first today? Uh, basically everything. Okay. <laughs> you know, we've spent the last hour and a half or so uh, listening to uh, Chair Yellen's um, question and answer session with uh, with Congress. And you're not getting too much out of there. She's been pretty feisty today, which is kind of interesting because generally she's been more uh, laid back, at least in my perception. So uh, to see her coming out, you know, strongly against you know the Taylor Rule and see her coming out strongly against. Uh, some of these Fed oversight uh, measures were, were, were quite entertaining, I should say. I don't know if it has any impact on uh, what the Fed is going to do or not, or what the what Congress is going to do against the Fed, <laughs> but uh, at least makes for better TV. Okay, it does make for good TV. Um, I heard yesterday, I think I heard this, I might have been dreaming, but one of the Fed governors came out and said interest rate hikes could happen any second, and yet... When you look at the data, it doesn't feel that way. Um, retail sales, not that great. Inflation, not out of control. Um, the long-term unemployment, still a very big issue. The quality of worker and the quality of pay, still a pretty big issue. Are we closer to a rate hike, in your opinion, or, or is the Fed bluffing? Well, this is the problem. The Fed wants to raise rates. We know that. You know, The Fed keeps saying this, that their transparency of getting the market ready that a rate hike is going to come, you know, is there. Uh, in Chair Yellen's um, opening comments, she mentioned that a rate hike is likely to occur, you know, in 2015. So we know that the Fed is gearing for a rate hike. We also know, and we should probably put quotation marks in this one, that the Fed is data dependent. If the Fed is data dependent, they shouldn't be so gung-ho on a rate hike for the reason that you gave. Inflation, you know, using the Fed's metrics, uh, headlines PCE is up a quarter point. Core PCE is up a point and a quarter. So we're talking, uh, you know, the, the Fed wants to have 2% inflation. And at best guess, we're at 1.25%. That's not what it wants. It's well below. Uh, the unemployment rate, if you look at the rate itself, seems really good. It's 5.3%. If we start taking into account the idea that a lot of people have left the labor force that normally would be working in the labor force, a more uh, accurate measure of the employment rate is probably 7%, maybe a little bit more than 7%. So by those two standards, we're not meeting the Fed's target. So under those two standards, if the economy was growing at the 2% rate that we've seen over the last few years, the Fed would be looking to provide more accommodation instead of tightening. But, you know, we're getting a point where the Fed thinks 2% growth is okay and, you know, having an unemployment rate of 7% may be okay, and uh, they're gearing to raise rates, you know, despite that. Are we all talked out of Fed rates? I want to give you a little more space if you need it. Otherwise, let's change topic. No, I mean, it's what it is. You know, yesterday's retail sales report, I think, was the perfect example of what this economy is. If we looked in May, we had a really nice uh, month of consumer demand. Right. We saw car sales grow. We saw 
uh, you know, overall retail demand grow much stronger than when income grew, meaning that we saw a, uh, a marked uh, decline in the personal savings rate, which as an economist is okay because the debt-to-income ratios in the personal space is uh, good. So you could have lower savings for what, what's going on. You know, look one month forward, go to June. We see a complete reversal. You have a contraction in retail sales. You had a small increase in uh, income, and that turned into a contraction in demand. So the gains that you saw in the reduction of the personal savings rate in May were completely reversed, or at least it looks like they were completely reversed in June. So a trend of you know, returning to a savings rate that would lead toward potential growth, lead to 3% GDP gains, isn't there. You know, maybe June will turn out to be an anomaly and the May numbers were, were strong, were, are, are what we should expect. But if you look at, you know, the, the data before May, we had increasing um, savings rates while energy prices were declining. So this idea of consumers needing to have a safety net, even though their debt levels do not suggest that they need it, uh, is overtaking the idea of, of spending. And you can't have, in a service-based economy, economic growth over 3% consistently with the savings rate that we have today and nothing else. And, and that's what's going on. How much do you think political events play into the consumer with retail. Greece had a very interesting month. Um, with If you watch CNN, you see it. You hear about it. Do political events like that play into me saying, you know what, I'm not going to go to Costco this morning. I'm going to just, you know, see what I have in the cupboards and, and eat from that. To a point, what you get from, a, from these media events or these political events is that it impacts your consumer sentiment. You know, your feelings about economic growth, your feelings about, uh, you know, general, you know, economic trends. When it comes push, when push comes to shove and you're making a spending decision, it's based on your personal income. If your income is growing, if you feel that your company is secure, your job is secure, and we're, we know that from these low uh, initial claims levels you know the the we're not seeing businesses go out and lay off workers you know essentially that has stopped and the security in your own job and knowing that income is growing modestly will keep spending going you know increasing so it's going to have a, a negative effect on, on your sentiment number but that has going to have no impact whatsoever on your personal spending decision what are some of the other, you know, I saw industrial production come out today. Do we care about industrial production or should we, we should. care? Okay. <laughs> I mean, the, the reason why we should is that during normal economic times, service sector is generally very flat. You don't see very big up and down moves. Instead, to see the growth patterns of the overall economy to get accelerations in GDP or decelerations in GDP, we see it coming from manufacturing because it's a little bit more of a volatile area. We get it from housing, another volatile area. So the fact that the industrial production was positive on the surface would seem to be a good thing, you know, an idea that growth rates, not necessarily trends, are improving. 
That said, if you look at the details of that industrial production report, it wasn't too hot. I mean, mo all the gain you could say was came from uh, better energy prices, which allowed mining companies to drill more, and really hot temperatures throughout the United States that required more air conditioning. Manufacturing was flat. Now, a lot of that manufacturing that was flat was because the auto sector had a pretty weak month in terms of uh, of building, and there could be some seasonality into it because we've had uh, strong auto sale or not sorry auto sales, but strong production during what normally is considered slow seasons over the last couple of years because build, uh, auto manufacturers have decided not to uh, to pause their building and retool their 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 lines. So we may see if if the auto industry itself is starting to return to a more uh, seasonal pattern, the gains from the previous couple years could be causing some kind of seasonality in these numbers. But if we believe that, that those numbers are true, you know, you did have a, a pretty significant pullback in uh, in the auto sector this month. So the pullback in the auto sector, again, is that, are you tying that together with second quarters not shaping up as strong as we want it to? that the Fed probably won't raise interest rates because <clears throat> the auto sector is showing slowness? Well, I think the Fed is raising interest rates. I'd be, I'd be very hard-pressed to believe that the Fed is going to wait and see. Okay. Uh, it, my personal belief is that they should wait and see. But I think what the Fed is on is, is that they're going to raise rates. Now, Yellen has made numerous comments that it's not the first rate hike that matters, it's the subsequent rate hikes that matter. Right. And in that case, she's right. Because if she raises rates, let's say in the September meeting, which is what most economists expect uh, the first rate hike to occur, if she's relaxed and says, okay, we're going to go up to 50 points in September, but not do another rate hike in the December meeting and hold it at this 50 mark, you know, until sometime in 2015, I think the easy money, you know, quote, accommodations will be helpful. You know, I think the idea of raising rates is important to her, but holding back on subsequent rate hikes that could really impact economic growth trends uh, is what's important in the long term of the, ec of the economy. And by holding back on that, I think she's you know, making it clear that she still doesn't believe the economy is in a situation where a normal meeting rate hike, meeting rate hike uh, event occurs. Interesting stuff. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. He's got an article at Briefing.com. Um, you know, from listening to the show, I, I dig the site. I think the content is digestible. I think it's well presented. I think it's clean. You don't feel like something's being, you know, uh, you don't, you, you feel good with the content. You don't feel like it's pushing an agenda. So check it out, briefing.com. That's briefing.com.
listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing more. Yum Brands is traded a little lower based on weakness. It's tough to say. In China, Yum Brands, you probably know them as Kentucky Fried Chicken, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell. Their big story is we're expanding in China. Yum Brands sold its Long John Silver Seafood chain, and it sold its A&W All-American Food chain to a, another brand for undisclosed prices. The rationale for the sale was that Yum could focus on its core brands and focus on China. Uh, Non-GAAP earnings per share, non-generally accepted accounting practices, GAAP, G-A-A-P, declined 5% year over year, which was better than expected. Um, The big weakness was in China. Sales declined basically 7% unit growth sales, down. Um, Same store sales, down 10%. Restaurant margins decreased 2.2 percentage points to 14.6%. They have to fight all sorts of crazy rumors. Like in China, there's a rumor that Kentucky Fried Chicken is using eight-headed, eight-footed or eight-head, eight-winged chicken to make their chicken. Um, poor little ch- poor chicken. Um, so they're out there, and their story's not going quite the way you want it to. Does it mean you sell? Maybe. I think it comes down to what you would do, not what I would do. When I buy a stock, I write down five to ten things that I like about it. And maybe I write down good revenue growth, good margins. Maybe I'm writing down expansion in China, growth in China. And when you see that not happening, would you still buy it? That's the question. Um, And that's if you can't say, I like declining sales in China, maybe that's one of your flags to sell. So Apple just introduced a new iPod Touch. The ultra-portable iPod Touch features a new 8-megapixel EyeSight camera. Nice photos. An improved FaceTime high-definition camera. An Apple-designed A8 chip with 10 times faster graphics performance. An improved fitness tracking with an M8 motion coprocessor. Uh, they're still selling iPods, not iPhones. Um, as high as 299 bucks. That's a lot of do-re-mi. That's a lot of do-re-mi, in my opinion. Uh, for something that doesn't... Uh, I'm, I'm going to be quiet. Delta Airlines is reporting numbers this morning, and I like looking at the notes of the conference calls. Uh, they confirmed the plane 737-900s uh, that they've canceled the orders. So that tells me, okay, um, maybe that's not good news for Boeing. So some of the information is, you know, it's out there for you to see and hear and touch and try to build a, a case outside of it. One of the, I found the tidbits inside of Delta Airlines conference call. They say that they're 15% hedged against increase in fuel prices. They're not seeing a, they're not thinking there's going to be a big spike. They expect its fuel cost to continue to be a huge tailwind. It's going to provide a net benefit of $2 billion this year. They expect their fuel expense to be about a billion dollars less than the prior year. Overall system capacity is going to be flat in the fourth quarter versus the third quarter. They just finished their third quarter. Um, they expect a 3.5% decline in international capacity. So there you get like, okay, it's going to be a lot of status quo. Uh, revenue per available seat miles, think 
about 5 to 6% decline. But that decline in revenue should be offset by the decrease in fuel costs. So again, I think the most interesting nugget there was that they're only 15% hedged to higher oil. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Bank of Canada cut rates 25 basis points to 50 basis points from 75 basis points. Um, so again, they're trying to stimulate their economy. They have kind of a lumpy economy that relies heavily on energy. Um, so they do, when things are good in Canada, they're very, very good. When things aren't, not so much. Uh, Intel's report numbers this afternoon, and no one's expecting greatness. Microsoft is releasing Windows 10, I think in about 13 or 14 days, and people are waiting to get new computers until they get that put in place. Um, so if there was any upside, it'll be probably tied towards reducing staff. Um, just throwing it out there for you. There's a company called VCA Antic. Ticker symbol is WOOF, W-O-O-F. Uh, an analyst today initiated it with a buy and a $63 price target. It's currently 56 I like the story of VCA Antic. I've been talking about it for years. Um, one of the problems with it is... It's a veterinary clinic, and they went out and bought other vets, and sometimes you bought a great practice, and sometimes you bought a horrible practice. Um, it's called a roll-up strategy. Some people do it better than others. Um, but the idea of veterinary care, like, I know people, when their dogs are in their last days, they do get chemo. They do spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, this has been an amazing five-year stock going from about $18 a share to about 56 uh, Healthcare on animals, the insurance isn't as good as it is on the U.S. patients, but that's okay. You can buy health care on a dog, and you should probably, before you buy a dog, check out the breed's history for you know problems um, because you might be at the vet clinic quite a bit, and it ain't cheap. So, sorry, Maisie the Wonder Dog. My dog, I've got a Vishla, and uh, she's probably in her last year. And it's kind of sad. She's used to be this beautiful, gorgeous runner. Now she's just this beautiful, gorgeous walker. Can't run like she used to. Uh, but she's been fairly cheap maintenance. Is that fair to talk about an animal's health as maintenance? Ooh. Makes me feel a little dirty. I'm Rob Black, Tech and All Things Financial, Money, Investing, and more. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.